Did you get out of bed this morning? You're taking a risk. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Get me a bottle of whiskey and a bowl. Don't go, don't come, don't do anything. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. You mind if I do a drink? Okay. It's Tuesday. Happy Token Tuesday. September 8th, 2020. You're listening to Bowl After Bowl, episode 39. I'm Spencer. And I'm Lorian. And we're here to get you through your Tuesday night. Because you need a little relief. It's It's not hump day yet. You need to be in the bowl with us. Passing them bowls, packing them bowls, toking them bowls, and catching up. That's right. Just catching up, seeing what's up. Lots going on. Busy day, busy week, all of that. Busy election year. Yeah. You know, everything's in play. Everything's going on. Somebody's doing something to someone at any time. But everybody's just talking about Adam Curry, Joe Rogan experience. Fresh, fresh drop. That's right. The freshest. I think it's been on YouTube for six hours. We're already over a million views on that. Woo. Uh, that alone. I uh, well, kind of was curious to, to look up like what constitutes a YouTube view, though. You mm. know what I mean? Sure. Like, is it individual users or each time the same IP address watches it? Does that count as a unique view? Uh, so there's a big convoluted page about it. Oh, boy. Um. If you have YouTube analytics, you can know more about your little channel and how what is being paid or played, I should say, what's being viewed. Um, this says YouTube video views reflect how many times a video has been watched. V- views can be an important measure of a vi- uh, video's overall popularity. We want to make sure that v- videos are viewed by actual humans and not computer programs. It takes our system some time to determine which views are legitimate views and which aren't. During the first few hours that your video is published, we may not show all legitimate views while our system works. After legitimate views are counted, your view count should update more frequently. The amount of time this takes varies depending on a video's popularity and viewership. Keep in mind that we're constantly validating views, so video, view count can always be adjusted. On some videos, the view count might seem frozen or not show all the views that you expect. Video views are algorithmically validated. Excuse me algorithmically to maintain a fair and positive experience for content creators advertisers and viewers to verify that all views are real and accurate youtube may temporarily slow down freeze or change the view count as well as discard low quality playbacks note using multiple devices to watch the same video and streaming the same video across multiple windows and tabs are considered low quality playbacks so they might not be counted Hmm. interesting um also interesting is, you know, the video in question that we're talking about comes in at 3 hours, 18 minutes, and 22 seconds. So how long does one have to view that video to be counted as a view? That's a that's a good question. Bit of a mystery and not addressed in that long page about view counts. But it was a great show. If you haven't caught it, 
yet. Yeah. Um, it's fresh out, and you're going to need a little bit of time for sure. Maybe you got a long drive coming up ahead of you. Maybe you've got to mow the lawn. That'd be a good start on it. I'm trying to think of other times I listen to podcasts. I, I've had a few different jobs where podcast listening was ideal. When I was a cookie dough maker, that was when I very first started listening to podcasts. Because I just had nothing to do with my ears for eight hours. I was just kind of in my own zone, working by myself making cookie dough. And then when I was roasting coffee, it's almost a similar situation, different product. So I listened to a lot of podcasts during that era. Lucky. Time. Lucky time. Lucky era. <laughs> but man, there was a lot of bromance going on <laughs> yeah, there between was. Rogan and Curry. And I predict that Mr. Dvorak is going to be so ass-blasted on Thursday's show. That's my that's just my prediction. Do uh, you think Dvorak will listen to it? I don't know if he'll listen to it or not. I kind of suspect maybe not. Maybe he won't. But whether he does or not, someone, someone, at least someone, probably multiple people, but at least one person is going to message him and be like, Oh my God, John, Adam didn't mention you at all on JRE. <laughs> but he mentioned MoFax and spelled he, it out. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I don't know. I mean, John always gets his, he's very sensitive about that kind of thing. Yeah, but. In the past, at least he's been. You know, they remembered no agenda. Yes. It was in there plenty. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Joe's new setup? You know, a lot of people said it looked like uh, something the Vulcans would build. The Vulcans, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't really know enough about it to really weigh in, but uh, somebody did a meme on NAS. Nice. All that red. Yeah. The red Fantastic. Room. Fantastic stuff. They, uh, it felt really cool with the, with the talk about podcasting though. It kind of feels like we're at some sort of a second echo or second wave. Um, the Rogan thing moving over to Spotify, we'll see how it works and how it happens. But like the awesome part about podcasting, since it's by RSS is like when you put that audio clip onto your website, it just pushes it out to everywhere. So, you know, today, uh, this was the Spotify rollout. So this was his first show in Austin and all of the JRE shows are going on to Spotify. Supposedly they're putting the rest on, you know, there's been a lot of controversy of, oh, where's the Alex Jones podcast episodes and where's this guy and where's this guy? A lot of, I don't know, problematic characters or whatever they've decided have been left out of the Spotify uploads. But uh, I was reading today that supposedly they're going to put all of it on there uh, after pressure from Trump. I don't know what's true or how it's true or what got late or anything. There's a lot of speculation that maybe Adam's episode wouldn't even make it to Spotify because, like I said, the first thing it hit was Rogan's website. So it hits there. It hits his RSS feed. It hits any podcatcher that you're using also. Like I happen to use on Android Podcast Republic, but there's so many of them. There's a bunch of them. Um, then it hit YouTube, maybe an hour later is when I saw a toot about it. So maybe a little bit less than an hour is my guess that it got uploaded to YouTube. And then, uh, it was over an hour. I was listening to it on his website when it finally hit Spotify. Cause a lot of people were like, oh, they're not going to put it on Spotify, la 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 la. But I don't know what the process is or how the back end works. Like, you know, there's different steps you're going to take to upload it. But starting December 1st, apparently all of the JRE episodes will go away from all the other platforms. Oh. And it will only be available on Spotify. So what that means for the previous episodes, I'm not sure. Obviously, if you have a 
a podcatcher app and you've downloaded them, that's another thing that's awesome about podcasts is you shoot it out there. People just pull your MP3 or however you publish it, your audio file. They pull it down. They have a copy. So if you, I guess, you know, if you're really a Joe Rogan nut and you want the certain episodes, you can download them before December 1st. And then I don't know if it's retroactive, if his old episodes aren't going to be available or if they are. But definitely all the new ones will only be available on Spotify, which you can still get for free, but you have to use that product, which means you have to, I mean, it tracks you, it sends you all kinds of ads. It's a, it's a crappy product. Um, and Adam, I think, made a hilarious point. He kind of poked the bear a little bit, but like apologetically so. But uh, t- he did uh, say to Joe... I would pay for your show, man, and I would probably pay a lot more than the Spotify premium, you know, if you just, like, let me assign a value to it. He was just kind of making a point of, uh, but he's like, but, you know, it's your choice, and you do what you want to do, and obviously it's already been done and signed and everything. He's locked into the thing. So I just think the momentum uh, over the coming weeks will be very cool for the NAA community, for the show itself. Um, not a direct boost to the Curry show itself, but Trump did tweet a Joe Rogan clip today uh, where a previous guest had been talking and brought up Joe Biden, and Rogan is saying, like, I picture Joe Biden like a taking a flashlight that has a dying battery and going on a real long hike in the woods at night with it, like... I don't know if you really want to do that, you know, um, which is hilarious. But obviously that's going to drive visibility to Rogan. And through that, you get trickled down. You get uh, the Joe No Mo people who find Joe Rogan, then they find No Agenda, and then they find Mo Facts. Uh, you get all kinds of stuff through that. So I think it's going to be really cool. The energy is high. The momentum is there. and uh, It's just awesome. What podcasting is... Uh, heading for and what curry's trying to build also with the with the podcasting 2.0 and the his own directory the podcast directory podcast directory.org podcast index.org excuse me um i got us on there Woo-hoo! submitted the rss feed so you can find us on that and anything that uses that and then i'm gonna work this week on getting us on the rest of the directories because there's no reason we shouldn't be on the rest of them but yeah for sure that, in my opinion, now going forward is the most important one to be on. I agree. Because it's decentralized and it's uh, open to everyone. And, um, you know, it's, it's also made a stand for free speech, which is the most important, I think, part of all of this. Like, No Agenda talks a lot about how they can't get away with what they say on network or cable, but we couldn't even get away with what we say in, like, <laughs> most rooms, you know? I mean... True. Uh, it's not that we're that radical. We just kind of like to push the envelope and get a little bit weird. And um, without podcasting, there's just really no other place for that. That's right. You know what I love about the podcast index is how when you go on there, it shows the most recently uploaded podcasts. Yeah, that is super cool. So you're just seeing all these podcasts you probably would have never heard of before. Yeah, like it's going back here. It shows, I think, the most recent 20 and so the oldest of the most recent 20 was published at 10 p.m. on the dot. So that's 27 minutes ago. So you're just getting like fresh off the grill newest podcasts that you possibly can. Uh, like the newest one was only 10 minutes ago it got uploaded. So it's wild and it's very cool. And to th- watch this thing grow and evolve after like just seeing the launch, it's going to be so cool, man. Back to JRE. Yes. Got our magic number in there with episode 1533. <laughs> I know. How, how does I that I could happen? not believe it. 1533, man. Like, 
Uh, did they just thread the needle? Does the universe just work in weird ways? Did Curry yes. be like, hey, man, crank uh, four more out before you have before you <laughs> move to Austin? I mean, you know, you got to wonder what kind of uh, forces are at play to line that up so perfectly and beautifully. But, yeah, I love to see it. You got to love that, getting that 33 in there. Man, so on this day in 1504, Michelangelo unveiled David in Florence. Ooh. Fun fact. Night on uh, September 8th. That's right. Fantastic. I didn't know he was the third artist commissioned for that piece. Probably the most seen penis of all time. Yeah, I think so. Arguably. And yet, in my school, when we were doing art classes, they would put like a piece of paper over it. Oh, <laughs> really? They'd like tape a little piece of paper over it. I could not believe that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, well. Just even more censorship. I think it's very bad for our country. It is bad for our country. Censorship is bad for all people in all countries. Censorship is bad. Is bad, period. I think it's good time, actually, to mention uh, some censorship drama <clears throat> that was going on uh No Agenda show, so or No Agenda Social, I should say. Um, so there's a lot of different bots, and a lot of them dude named Jeff Builds. And there's a Bart at Art. ART that toots out all of the submitted art during the shows, which is great because as you're listening, you're seeing the art rolling in, you're seeing all this different stuff. Everybody has what they want to root for and this and that. And there's always fun little uh, known rivalries between some of the more prolific artists. Uh, and Comic Strip Blogger has been um, kind of edited out of being tooted by the bot. Oh. None of his art submissions are tooted by this bot. And I think him and Jeff got personal disagreements, which isn't really uncommon with CSB. He's got a lot of people who flame war him and think he's like just a total troll. I think he's like very misunderstood, for sure. Um, he can seem trollish, and I think that a big part of it is he's got so many different like dimension B things that he like clings to. He seems to have like a white knuckle grip on like uh, Joe Biden like needs to win the reelection. He like. Hates Trumpy. He won't say Trump's name. Calls him <laughs> Melania's hubby. You know, like constantly. These different things, which you know, I mean, the point of no agenda is to not have an agenda to the point where you can let other people have them if they have them. And you know, obviously he's right. got one. And probably deep down we all have lots of agendas, but we try to not have such a white knuckle grip on them. So I, from the time I joined No Agenda, was real uh, No Agenda Social was really surprised at how much uh, flame and hates kind of pointed at CSB, and I comment on it all the time. I comment on it all the time. I always poke people back when they. I always stick up for CSB. I always do, even though I almost always disagree with CSB. Like when it comes to opinions and politics and uh, predictions of the future different things like that. Like, he's very excited for Michael Cohen's new book. Like, <laughs> I don't really give a shit about that. It's going to be a goose egg for me. Um, all those kind of things. But when it comes to something that's the bot, that's, you know, it what it claims is that it toots out all the art for no agenda, and it does not do that. It toots out all the art minus CSB. So, you know, a more honest way to present that bot would be to note that in the profile but a more mature way to approach that would be to not censor any artist just because of some kind of a personal disagreement that you might have with them uh, or because they're extra annoying. I mean, I can be extra annoying myself at times when I want to be, I wish to be, 
Uh, sometimes I can be a real dick. Um, I always say what I want to say and speak my mind. I don't really try. I don't really hold back. Um, that being said, I'm tr- I try not to be rude or like just take shots for no reason. Um, but I'll always like I I want to I give that feedback because I want that feedback myself, and I can t- kind of take the flame and the heat back. Um, and I also kind of look for feedback to improve myself because if something I say is dumb or it sucks or there's links to refute, I mean, that's why I put in my own profile, you know, been proven wrong on multiple occasions because it's okay. Like if I'm proven wrong, then, then I learn and you get to teach me something. That's right. Uh, so at any rate, I made a big stinky toot on Sunday. They got a lot of play just saying that I'm going to block art if it doesn't stop censoring CSB by Sunday. And like, we'll see the whole Thursday show and I'll probably make another comment about it. Somebody on NAS pointed out to me today because I started following the podcast bot. That's another bot that Jeff built and he built it to kind of work with the, um, podcasting 2.0 API. So you can just toot at it to search podcasts and subscribe to podcasts that way via NAS, which is cool. And so I was like playing with it and somebody was like, hey, you know, that's the same guy that makes art, right? And I'm like, yes, I know Jeff made this one too. And really my position here isn't trying to get all preachy and everything, but I do want to stand for stop censoring in the no no agenda community. I think it's like, I, I just think it's a weak move, you know, um, there's other ways. You can unfollow CSB. Uh, you don't even really have to block him in the tutor aspect because if you're not following the person, then they're not on your timeline. So you don't have to ever like really see their stuff. But to, to, to censor him, I just don't find that a useful bot for me anymore. So I'll block it and I'll, I'll encourage other people to block it. I'll bring attention to the fact that it's censoring CSB. But I'm not going to hate Jeff in my heart or block his personal account or all of his other bots over it i just i see a very specific issue that i would like to help lobby to address and if that's not going to happen that's not going to happen that's fine and i'll just block the bot and move on like i just uh thought at least i would talk about it though yeah i mean it's a slippery slope with censorship you censor comic strip blogger who's next right and then you know are there community guidelines Mm -hmm. for like who you can and can't troll (laughs) or like who you're gonna vote for in the i mean uh csb is an eu citizen so he's not voting in the american election anyway you know right so like he can have his opinion but it's his opinion is just that you know he doesn't have a vote behind his opinion so it's fine like i don't know I constantly uh, wonder over the CSB hate. I understand it just a tiny bit because he is that guy when it comes to Dimension B stuff and like Trump hate and TDS and whatever you want to call it. All the memes, like a lot of them apply to him. But to me, the solution has never been to just like make an equal opposite reaction of like a, of a you know, you don't want to go down to his level on that sort of thing necessarily. And I love CSB. I'm not trying to put him down or anything. And I love Jeff. Clearly. I'm not trying to put him down or anything. I just think that something is wrong here. And it's just like the right thing to do is just to not censor anybody. That's that's all I'll say about it. Agreed. Until probably soapbox on Thursday in AS. But that's for another day. That's right. Ah, oh, you always start in flames over uh, CSB. <laughs> anytime mean, someone gets, anytime <laughs> someone like says something to you on any social, is kind of bitchy. I'm like, oh, talking about CSB again. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, you know, he's he's our guy. Uh, no agenda. We're all family. He's our it's boy. the No Agenda Tribe. Yeah, I mean, and yes, there's plenty of different. 
Every Opinions village has and... an idiot, you know? <laughs> and I might be the idiot in his yeah. village, you know? That's fine. That's all right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Because I know who I am. I'm a guy who hates fucking censorship. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom above all. That's right. Freedom and liberty. Freedom. We are a hot country. Mm-mm-mm. Well. What do you know? What have you been digging into? Oh, tons of stuff, per usual. Yeah? So, uh, in California, the DPA sponsored a syringe access bill, which passed. It extends their syringe program that they've had going for five years and protects pharmacists who uh, choose to provide sterile syringes to adults without a prescription. They say, you know, it's to combat HIV, hepatitis B, and hep C. Mm-hmm. And that's that, the pharmacy access bill. I thought We're that in the was interesting. We're market substances, buddy. We've got substances. I do. I have seen lots of pictures of, you know, like syringes littered on the street, though. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've even been to some showings of houses where there's like, oh, I yeah. did go to one where there's like a needle on the front porch at like a, the thing was listed at like $380,000, you know, it was like a, decent house was in the middle of the city and the surroundings weren't necessarily reflected in the the property itself and yeah it's just a wild time you get uh, needles all over the place in some places yeah they're everywhere but in california you can go get clean ones so at least you're not using dirty fucking needles dirty fucking needles is there a place to like throw them away that's too? what i was gonna say i'm like, sure they have it there but like that's the problem too like if you're a junkie and you're shooting up like over here are you going to really keep that on you all the way to like throw it away at the receptacle? You know, Probably not. 11 times out of 10, I would say no. Yeah, probably not. And you remember Initiative 81 in D.C.? It's a decriminalized nature's entheogenic plant and fungus policy act. Mm. They'll be voting on that in uh, November. And that would make plant and fungi medicines the lowest law enforcement priority. So decrim. Lowest priority. That's so funny. Yeah. The way they say that. So it's like. It's lower than a cat stuck in a tree. <laughs> lower than a cat stuck in a tree. But that's the thing too. It's like. Say, you, say you're making a traffic stop. And that's the only thing going on. There. At that traffic stop. Right. Like he's mm. got. He's got weed. But there's nothing else going on. So all the other priorities aren't present but this one's there what is it it's in just a it's citation it's still a priority it's just the lowest of the priorities it's just the lowest right? but it's yeah. still there you know why I, can't they just that kind of legislation never or that kind of language excuse me never really appealed to me lowest priority uh, why don't we just either do it or don't do it you know agreed in, in my county jackson county they stop pro uh they stop prosecuting at all for an ounce or less possession they announced, like, right when the vote passed for medical, that they would stop uh, prosecuting possession cases that were announcerless. And that is an actual thing. That's a statement. It's not like, we're going to deprioritize, or we're not going to go after it as hard. It's like, no, we're, n we're not doing any of those cases. So that sends a signal to all the police, like... Don't bother. Don't pick, Don't bring anybody in in Jackson County for under an ounce, because they're not going to prosecute. That's right. Well, we've talked about Initiative 81 in D.C. before. But the update on it is that the group did a survey and found that three in five D.C. voters are in favor of this measure. And they have increased awareness 
of the initiative, they say threefold. Um, 24% of people who took the survey were a hard no. 16% were undecided. But the survey givers found that after a little bit of discussion and answering questions, people mostly came around to it. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. It's just education and talking. and Sure. Well, everything has been framed in such a, I don't know, scary negative way for so many years. But most of the popular opinion polls favor the, especially the medical programs, but even full legalization beats most candidates as yeah, far I, as approval and polling. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they say a baby step is better than none, I guess, but it is tougher to undo bad laws than to just wait and pass a good one. Yeah, it's that, it's that classic conundrum we constantly find ourselves in in the weed movement. No, we were just talking about people in possession driving a motor vehicle. And on Friday, the Virginia House of Delegates approved a bill to further reduce cannabis penalties, making possession in a motor vehicle a secondary offense instead of a primary one. Hmm. It prevents law enforcement from conducting searches or seizing property based on the odor of marijuana alone. And uh, by being a secondary offense, it means that a summons couldn't be issued unless a person is also charged with a separate second violation. Right. It's like a lot of people do seat laws that way. A lot of places have seat belt laws that way. Sure. Where you can't be pulled over because you're not wearing a seatbelt, but if you're pulled over for speeding, you can also be charged in addition to that with not wearing a seatbelt. Um, it's interesting. It's another one of those things where it's like small. It's victories. frustrating. Is it's it, like, can't we just it big enough? Take it off it's, altogether. <laughs> it's gonna make a statistical difference when you're like looking at a spreadsheet in two years down the road, you know. But it's not really gonna help anybody directly, <laughs> or mm. change how policing is done necessarily. Uh, Earlier this year in Virginia, lawmakers approved a bill to decrim marijuana possession, which went into effect on July 1st, now making possession of up to an ounce punishable by $25 fine, no jail time. Definitely take a fine over going to jail Mm -hmm. for a plant. Yeah, 25 bucks, I guess, is not bad. That's not bad. Yet again, though. (laughs) It's, It's still something, though, and something is too much. Too much. Speaking of too much. It's like uh, saying to a guy, I'm starving. And he gives you like two oyster crackers or something. And, mm. and then like says he like helped you out. You know, it's like, well, yeah, two oyster crackers is better than nothing. But how much better than nothing? <laughs> not much better than nothing. Just those mere mackerel. Especially if they're not those like salted flavored uh, seasoned real well oyster crackers. If it's just your bullshit dry run of the mill. The stale ones. Yeah. Stale in the bag. <laughs> My grandma made always made these like Italian seasoned oyster crackers that were to die for. Fantastic. Wow. Well, Fantastic. Oh, she makes them from scratch. So good. It's been a wild time in California. Uh-huh. <laughs> Power usual. I mean, we could play, is it a protest, a peaceful protest, or is it a wildfire? <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, seven people were shot and killed at a grow site in Aguanga, SoCal. Yep. That's no good. Uh, When deputies arrived, they seized a thousand pounds of cannabis and found several hundred plants. Womp womp. Of course, this is an illegal operation. Yeah, they weren't, I guess, (laughs) medically licensed. No, an unlicensed. Is Cali full legal now? I'm pretty sure they're just medical. I always wonder that, and then I never look it up, and then I wonder it again, and then I don't look it up, and then I just... 
sit around all ignorant, stoned. And then I ask and then wonder. And I ask. I'm like, hey, huh? Oh, uh, and what? then what? And then I uh, have to look it up. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Callie is full legal. Says lavish. He'd beat you to it. Oh. See, that's what I thought. It was pretty recent because they went Medi first, and of course that just entrenches the um business side of it. Keeps it locked down. So they took a long time to go full legal, but uh, so they they weren't full legal. When we went for a cannabis cup, though, right? Because we had That's to right, do yeah. our medical applications. Well, yep. we didn't have to. Luckily. Right. Yeah, we got kind of snuck in with a wristband rather than have to, like, sign some paper and put a name down. But, yeah, um, that was 2015. So, I mean, I knew it was quite I knew it was quite recent, but I wasn't 100% sure. But now we know. Now you know. Now you know. Bull after bull show. I now I wonder about their growing regulations though. Yeah, we'll have to look into like yes. what they got. I'm guessing I, they didn't get home grow. Just a guess. Well, and if, if they did, just... it certainly wasn't several hundred plants. Well, you know, another thing about home grow is it's associated with the medical use anyway. You got you know mm. for it to legally make sense to the pencil pushers, you have to be a patient and you're sick and you need to grow your own medicine. Like that's the justification there so that doesn't exist in the <laughs> recreational world i guess you would say even though when we went to the medic medicup it was quite recreational oh yes it was i mean essentially it was a rick ross concert is what it was <laughs> with a bunch of uh weed vendors that's right and Intense. free samples free samples left free samples right we smoked dabs with remy lacroix yep passed a giant joint with coral reefer mm-hmm. radical russ all the great, all the, all the greats, all the greats. <laughs> Rosa. <laughs> also in California, mm. a 28-year-old man from Santa Rosa was arrested in a marijuana by mail ring. Now things got really messed up because when he mailed these packages mm -hmm. of weed to South Carolina, his buddies he was mailing them to decided to shoot and kill the 64-year-old postwoman. Oh, and just Jesus. take the box from her truck and left her dead in her truck. So, of course, it spiraled out of control, and that's why it came under investigation. Um, his maximum sentence for mailing the stuff is five years in federal prison, but the two men who stole the package and killed Irene Presley was her name, they are possibly facing the death sentence. Damn. It's just crazy. It's like the box is in the truck. Just wait for it to be delivered, right? Like it's already past any eyes looking at it if it's in the delivery truck. Yeah. That's... I do not understand what went wrong there. That's just gross. And why they killed this old woman. Yeah. Makes you sick, but this is the war on drugs. You know, this is black market life. Right. This is where the danger comes in. Right. The prohibition creates this sort of world. That's right. California, California lawmakers also approved two marijuana measures. One freezes the state's ability to raise tax rates until July 2021, and the other one guarantees that financial institutions won't face repercussions from the state for granting services to cannabis businesses. Well, that's good, at least. That is definitely good. That's a huge step forward it's insane that these businesses legitimate businesses have had to take cash only and keep them in safes in the back and then just be open to 
you know, theft. Be open to seizure from a federal organization. Mm-hmm. You know, they take all your cash. They take everything. And then they're a known cash flush business, too. So they make themselves a target to that criminal element that we just mentioned, you know. Exactly. It's just it's just not a safe way to operate. But it also, on the other hand, it is funny that uh, out of everyone getting the concessions legally that they want, it's the big businesses that seem to be like really plowing through the the thick ice right now, you know? Yeah. Um, it is good for them, and it's the right move, but it's also funny how the wheel stops, the wheel stops screw, squeaking where it's greasiest, you know? Yeah. Speaking of uh, cannabis businesses being able to accept, like, digital currencies, in Massachusetts, the GFA Federal Credit Union partnered with a cannabis payment processor from Arizona called Hyper, H-Y-P-U-R, so that they can start taking digital currencies. And they listed the reasons why they had to implement this as being the Rona. Sure. Oh, we don't want to take dirty cash. We want contactless pickup, delivery, Mm -hmm. you know. Some more war on cash stuff. It's always good. Yeah, of course. Um, oddly enough, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which is part of the Treasury Department, said last week that the number of financial institutions servicing the cannabis industry actually declined over the last fiscal quarter. There's 60, 60, yeah, 695 banks and credit unions working with cannabis businesses as of June, which is down 710 from the last quarter. Whoa. Yeah, that's a lot. The only thing that could have possibly fluctuated that number that I could find is that they just removed like hemp only businesses hmm. from their counting. But I see. I, so they don't they don't tally them with everything else. Not anymore. And gotcha. they just made that change this quarter. So well, you'd affect it. You expect it to affect that somewhat. But then again, I mean, there's a shitload of CBD shops everywhere. Like even in places you'd never expect. So that could be a significant portion of, of those businesses. Gas stations sell CBD. There's a lot. Definitely a lot. Yeah. Out there. If see if they're counting CBD, then yeah, that probably was it. Probably was it. Rona has slowed things down, but Georgia is going to finally begin its licensing process in the fall. So maybe they'll get some weed soon. If Georgia beats us, I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> yeah. Don't go breaking my heart now, Georgia. They have a medical marijuana program, which was voted in last year. It recognizes 17 medical diagnoses. <laughs> diagnoses and uh people can use thc oil up to five percent thc so i'm guessing like it's mostly cbd Hmm. other things that are going to be prescribed sure because if you're putting a cap on five percent thc that's such a low pussy cap (laughs) dude there goes five percent chc sucks there goes hundreds of thousands of strains it sucks (laughs) yeah they're only giving out five growing licenses you want to be in that sweet spot, like 15 minimum, 20 to 22, now we're talking. Yeah. Five is the cap? <laughs> oh hey, some goodness. places have a 3% THC cap. <laughs> 3%, 5%. Like, this is terrible. Oh, you, you can't handle the, that weed that's higher than five. <laughs> are you accusing me of being dumb? I Come think on. they are. Come on. Just what does it mean? It means you smoke four joints instead of one. <laughs> I mean, that's just math. Come on. Come on. Just the whole plant. Stop the war on THC. 
I know. I mean, it's just silly. It's just silly when you can, you know, sip on the scotch real fine and like you can kill yourself like with a bottle or two of that under the right circumstances. Illinois just awarded 75 retail licenses to 21 applicants, all of which were social equity applicants. I had to look into what that meant. Ooh, social equity. Could be a whole... Oh, yes, of course you can guess. Let me guess. Uh, Poor, disenfranchised people of color. Well, it doesn't say it in those words, but yes. Women, also. (laughs) Whammon. Whammon. Women aren't mentioned, but... Poor, disenfranchised women of color. If the applicant comes from an under-resourced area or Mm. one disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. If the applicant or a family member was directly impacted by police enforcing anti-weed laws... Or if the applicant hires hires 51% of employees from a distressed neighborhood negatively affected by war on drugs. Now, what's crazy is when they're grading these license applications, Mm -hmm. there's 250 possible points. For being a social equity applicant, you automatically get 50 points. Hmm. It's like 20% right there. And people who have prior knowledge and experience, they get like 20 points. Huh, yeah. Well, there's something to be said for prior knowledge and experience, but to counter that, there's also something to be said about, you know, some of these prior knowledges and experiences or people aren't going to put them on a thing because the fucking statute of limitations hasn't expired on them, you know? Like, what about people in the quote-unquote industry who got their quote-unquote experience in the black rather than the gray market? Right. You know? Like, you can't just count. like, oh, you know, some old boy in the boot heel can't be like, well, I've been growing pot for 40 years in the boot well, heel because down there, you know. It's like Mark Emery yeah. in Canada. No one's consulting him, even though he's been a successful businessman. For yeah, I mean, he's been making seeds like the longest, the longest. He's one of the first guys that started mailing out seeds. Good old boy. Good old Mark Emery. So I was doing something interesting. They're asking the DEA to exempt them from the Controlled Substances Act. Who's they? The state of Iowa. Oh. For their, it's a very limited medical program, CBD only. Ugh, nice. And dig this. They have like a tax stamp law. So you have to have these stamps yep. on everything you buy. It's like $3.50 per gram. <laughs> or if you're growing a CBD plant, $750 tax on the plant. Jesus. Yeah. I thought that was wild. That is wild. That so, seems excessive. The Department of Public Health is the one writing in this little application saying, hey, just can we be exempt under the Controlled Substances Act? And they said to the media, you know, we don't even know if they're going to respond. I mean, but, in, a, in a retail sense, let's say a plant produces a QP to be generous, and then you're going to retail it out maybe four to 5000 depending on how you do it. Maybe more if you do it differently, but especially considering extracts and trim, but... Just seems so excessive. You're paying seven fifty on the on the plant itself right off the bat. Yeah, it's a big chunk. It sure is. But if you don't pay it, the fines. Are- <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But the thing I'm saying is that the these barriers and these extra taxes uh, actually prop up the black market rather than destroy it. Of know? course. The, like you're gonna see these problems continue because it's cheaper. Some people, now I'm not saying, obviously a lot of people are going to go and get legal, but more people, especially the ones that are already in that, taking those risks as it is, 
the risk just goes down a slight bit, but they're not going to be paying all that money per plant. Yeah. Well, I think I remember we called it the emerald market when you're working in a black market in a legal state. Sure. The emerald market. The emerald market. Because you just... Because you're... The rewards are high. You're pretty much fine, yeah. Like <laughs> You're safer. The rewards are a bit better. The rewards are good. The, 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 the danger really comes, I guess, if you leave the state across state lines, but... Or if you're working with assholes. Yeah, the only thing becomes, <laughs> like, you have a slight competition factor in quality, but not in price. Yeah. You can always beat price, I'm sure. Because that shit's expensive from dispensaries, man. It sure is. But what I was thinking when I read about this them asking the DEA to formally exempt them from the Controlled Substances Act. Well, every state should just do that. If the federal government won't get a move on it, (laughs) on removing weed from controlled substances, (laughs) hey, just exempt us, okay? Like, we got a legal market. Don't fuck with us. It's it's long overdue. I mean, these guys are late turning this fucking legislation in. You're late, okay? You're late. need to catch up. Maybe if I say it louder, they'll hear me. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Re-harder. Is the Senate on the stream right now? Hey, Senate. Come on, man. Oh, I know they're listening. Come on, man. So tons of investigations going on across all these states legalizing about, you know, possible bribes, the way that they're adding up points in these license applications, you know, who's getting the licenses and why. Sure. I know Missouri is... There's a lot of inside rewards, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. People who know the guys at the... That's the funny thing, too. It's the Department of Health and Senior Services. Yeah. Well, a six-month investigation in Maryland ended in a 40-page investigative report that was released last week. And they decided that they were accused of racial bias, lack of transparency, and improper influences. The only conflict of interest they found in this report was that Morgan State University employees and officials were affiliated with license applications, but they said there was no evidence that those conflicts of interest resulted in any bias or special favorable treatment, which is like... Sure, sure. I know, but it's a conflict of interest. Right. It automatically seems like bias, (laughs) right? No evidence of wrongdoing. No evidence of wrongdoing, but... Magic number pops up. Uh-oh. A lawmaker was just sentenced to two years, a Maryland lawmaker, for taking bribes. And she took a total of $33,750 in bribes from 2018 to 2019. One was confirmed $3,000 in exchange for votes in favor of legislation increasing the number of cannabis grower licenses from 15 to 22. Hmm. So... Well, that's nice. She was fine until she took that thirty-third thousand. <laughs> yeah, once <you laughs> and then hit. she got caught. They were like thirty-three uh, thousand. You're done for. That's that's too many bribes, woman. <laughs> <laughs> can't get away with it. Four years after legalizing weed, Maine has finally awarded some licenses. A total of six licenses. <laughs> Dang, six licenses. Wow. <laughs> four for, years. For the whole state of Maine? Six licenses. <laughs> After four years, Jesus. Yeah, two stores, three cultivation facilities, and one testing facility. They think, they say, they say that they're on track to launch sales October 9th. Hmm. So a cultivation facility Fingers just got crossed. their license. Grow now. <laughs> wow, dude. 
Yeah. They're going to be willing the plants out of the ground. Yeah, seriously. I bet they'll find some weed. <laughs> oh, I think that's, so. That's my prediction. I bet they'll figure it out. Yeah. An activist named NJ Weedman, his real name's Ed Fortune, is suing Governor Phil Murphy in the state's Division of Elections in New Jersey for leaving the name of his legalized marijuana party off the ballot in his congressional race. Huh. Go, Ed, go. <laughs> you can do it, bud. You got this. And in Nevada, they were under investigation for two years. It's been going on. But a judge just ruled that they can resume their licensing program. I told you that this could be a whole episode of the like investigations going on in the legal markets because they all run the same routes: racial yep. bias, lack of transparency, conflict of interest. Yeah, lots of insider uh, rewards and licenses and contracts and this and this and this. That's right. And Cro- you know, cronyism. We had a whole episode filled with PSAs. Right. <laughs> Anti-weed PSAs. But the reefer madness is still going around. And one of the most common things I hear now is, oh, stone driving. Driving while high, that's real dangerous. And to pump that propaganda, they've been really pushing this article about a 17-year-old boy from Natick, Massachusetts, who ran over two pedestrians. They both lived. They're both okay. One is in pretty bad condition, but one was released from the hospital. And then they, you know, took a toxicology report on him or whatever, screened him, and found out, oh, he was high. Who knows? I mean, who knows if he was high at the time? He had THC in his system. And so now it's high driver kills two or, you know, runs over two people. And it's just started that whole uh, scourge. This comes also while Massachusetts is trying to decide on how they're going to license delivery drivers, weed delivery drivers. They'll be talking about that later this month. Mm. So it's just like, no, <laughs> the high yeah, driving the, propaganda is back. Yeah, they're they're pushing it a lot. After we did that episode, I saw probably like eight or nine of those ads served in uh, mobile game ads that I play. Oh, the cheetah driving ad? Yeah. Stupid. <clears throat> like I had not seen it in the wild. I had not been served that ad. I had seen somebody tweet about it, and uh, so then I—that was the whole thing that triggered me into doing that show uh, of of all of the PSAs throughout time. But then after we did this show, I guess served it a bunch on different games. I was like, oh Jesus, was it? Be-? And then you got to wonder, like, oh my God, was it because I've been talking about it and we doing the show, or you know, they just. We notice it now, and they are doing a big ad by now, so now is when you would be seeing it, but it's just kind of funny like how the timing happens. Yeah, we're just, well, you looked it up, you clicked paranoid, on it, you know what I'm saying? Paranoid. and they're like, oh, he likes this ad, we'll just feed him that ad. Yeah, he likes the cheetah. Happy ad. He didn't spend two and a half hours calling it <laughs> stupid as fuck. <laughs> so, data was published, though, in the Traffic Injury Prevention Journal last week that shows states with legal weed regardless of medical or recreational it's not associated with an increase in fatal motor vehicle crashes and in fact washington and oregon saw immediate decreases in fatal accidents after legalization Hmm. so they're doing a lot of studies to try and refute this well i think they're doing a lot of studies to try and bolster it 
personally. Oh, and they're just because backfiring. Of the wording, yeah. They're just like, well, there's a there's no certain correlation. Sure, but, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like they dance around it. It's any, like no, there's any, actually a decrease here. Any mofo. slight increase is going to be like the world's on fire, and any slight decrease is going to be like statistically insignificant. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I know how they fucking play the game. I know how to lie with statistics. Yeah. It's an, it's an open secret. Yeah, make the numbers work in your favor. Right. Yeah, pick and choose the information. Um, A group of researchers at the Marie Curie Sklodowska University in Poland have discovered a way to use cannabis extracts to protect honeybees from pesticides. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. They said that they were specifically looking at neonicotinoids. Huh. It's an insecticide derived from nicotine, which is harmful to a bunch of different insects. Um, and so they tested insects with exposure to the neonicotinoids, as well as insects that hadn't been exposed. And the ones that were exposed that used the cannabis extracts lived just as long as the ones that had never been exposed to huh. the insecticide. Interesting. Yes. But I'm wondering, like, how are they, are the bees just eating the extract? Or are they, yeah. like, smudging they, it all over them? I have they, so like, many questions. Hit a CBD joint and cough it on them or <laughs> Uh, they make them little bee smokers you know maybe they just put uh, cbd in the oh, smoke yeah. smoke up the hive i don't know we don't know they didn't say so i'm definitely going to keep looking into this and try to answer my questions they <laughs> always leave out the fun details don't they yeah seriously and then my last weed story is just a fun one that normal shared there was a study on weed consumers preferences and they found that four out of five consumers prefer flour to concentrates. Wow. Yeah, the <clears throat> survey was done at Arizona State University with 574 subjects throughout the United States, all of whom had a history of consuming flour and concentrates. Mm-hmm. 78% selected flour as their preference. Yeah. They said that the reasons why they didn't like concentrates was because it was more likely to result in paranoia, memory disruption, and hangovers. Sure. They also said that the herb is more effective at providing pain relief and is a better value for their money. Yeah, I could agree with that. You know, it you can kind of correlate it to shots versus beers, I think, in a way. Um, it's just like... Uh, I've been through concentrate phases, but that's all they end up being is phases, you know? Yeah. And... Eventually, you just go back to that flower, and you're just like flower. One thing that's nice about concentrates is there are uh, there is the ability to like take them around in a pen or something, little pins. Just but put it in your pocket. They have vaporizers for flower too, though the packs. That's true. You can put that in your pocket. That's true. Um, it smells like popcorn. <laughs> and yeah, thinking back, a lot of the a lot of the concentrate use is kind of more party oriented, you know. Sure. Whereas, like, like I can definitely see where people are like, yeah, I get better pain relief, like, burning a joint or, like, a one-hitter or a bowl rather than a dab and then another dab and then another dab. Whew. Man, I remember when I first saw dabs. I don't know if this is, like, a first time I ever that I'm spoiling. Oh, no. But it's just fun. Well, all I'll say is the evolution is tremendous from when you'd go to, like, from a butane torch and a little glass piece to now it's like yeah the vape pens and touch of a button even like the nectar collectors they have you know yes you just heat up the tip and put it down on the concentrate it's wild 
next week's first time I ever first time I ever saw dabs. <laughs> you got dabs? That's not good. <laughs> I still need that. Um. Okay. Hold on. I gotta write that down for F tie. F tie. And T- today's, by the way, is first time you ever said fuck you to someone or told them to fuck off. Any kind of thing like that. Uh, what we'd like you to do is. Uh, Ball after ball, eight one six six zero seven three six six three. That's right, and thank you, Sir Seat Sitter, for that awesome jingle. It's very epic. Yeah, it is. Ballad after ballad. Ballad after ballad. First dab for next week. You know another thing about concentrates? Depending on how it's made, like the yeah. solvents they use, sometimes they'll make me wheeze to where it's like... Well, a lot of the... That's where the paranoia for me comes in. I'm like, am I breathing? They don't <laughs> do butane as often, but it's still it's still done. And like, if you don't... If you don't smack the butane out of it on the other end and like i mean there's ways to get the solvent out of it mostly but you know some guys just don't you know i mean there's poor quality products and there's lazy ass people out there and if you don't do it right then not only does it taste like shit but it can actually hurt your lungs um vacuum extraction yes uh that is the way to go i really ideally like the CO2 extractions. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was it's the just fucking clean. Cleanest ones I've tasted. It's just clean. You can see through that shit. You know, it's beautiful. That's what you want. It's tasty. Tastes nice. That's what tasty means, by the way. Is that it tastes nice? <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you like that. Oh, this is kind of interesting, but all right. I'm pretty high. Not even really. We're not behind the curtain. We it's just the scotch got the me. Curtain. Scotch got me. We had ice, too. Ice, ice, baby. That's right. There was a um, 174. Oh, if I could talk, that would be great. A report came out. It was 174 pages entitled How the Foster System Has Become Ground Zero for the U.S. Drug War. It was put together, published by Drug Policy Alliance, the NYU Family Defense Fund, or Defense Clinic, excuse me, Movement for Family Power, and a bunch of other organizations i don't know if this is would be better as a topic for another show because boy is there a lot to say about how the war on drugs and the foster system just go hand in hand yeah you'd probably be good to do a deep dive on it because i'll do a deep dive on it but i definitely recommend people read that report how the foster system has become ground zero for the u.s drug war we'll link it in the show notes as well but um yeah, I mean, we know people personally who have had their kids taken away from them. That's right. Over weed charges or over weed around. It's just... Well, and you know, a lot of women go to the hospital to have babies, get their blood drawn. Oh, there's THC. Now we, as medical professionals, are required to report you to CPS, and then CPS comes and just takes the baby away. Yeah. Why? Because you're a drug user. And in their eyes, if you use a drug, you're an abuser of drugs. Yes, but not... Uh... Well... <laughs> Zoloft. So <laughs> yeah, seriously. Or if you snorted Xanax. cocaine a week ago. I mean, they're not going to know that. Or two days ago, yeah. yeah. I mean, you piss that out in 30 hours. So, I don't know. It's 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 shameful. What a lot of these, I mean, public health departments, 
dismantle completely. Child Protective Services, you got to rein that stuff in. It's so out of control. It is out of control. What they are allowed to do um, and the people that they go after, it's just like it makes no sense. Yep, it really doesn't. We'll save it for a different time. Yeah, we'll be looking at that in the future. It would, I'll warn you to bring a box of tissues because some of the stories are just awful. And not even stories from the report, just stories that we've heard during our time as activists. Yeah. People we've met. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, 2020 was looking up in Tel Aviv. Oh, I, yeah? Yeah. I got a strike for you. Uh-oh. I'm going to strike it. A drone dropped baggies of weed in a public square. <laughs> That's my kind of drone. Hell yeah. Activists from the group Green Drone <laughs> took to social media and told people to go to the square and look up because they would be dropping some weed. And people went and they picked up baggies of weed. But officers also arrived and arrested the two men who were operating the drone. You know, you got to stop calling the cops, dude. You're acting like a little child, okay? Come on. I know. Israel permits medical use and recreational is illegal, but it's largely decriminalized, so... So it was recreational when it got the ride on a drone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Fun fact, Israel just got approval to export medical weed. Oh. Which is going to bring hundreds of millions of dollars to them in revenue. Mm-hmm. 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 Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Shit. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Carrie. You, I heard you. You want to roll one? Oh, yeah. Uh, here, I actually have one. All Somewhere right. pulled up here. He actually has one. I actually got one. Is it in this tab? No, because it's in this tab. Uh this is a great one. Man gets tired of sitting in traffic, hacks into electronic billboard to stream porn. <laughs> oh, fuck. This is in Jakarta, Indonesia. Oh, wow. A 24-year-old IT worker recently decided he had a better idea for how to pass the time in traffic. He hacked into the nearest electronic billboard and streamed hardcore Japanese porn. Thank you. Epic. For frustrated commuters to communally watch... Uh, as they're commuting. God damn it. <laughs> Communally watching commuters. Um, um, um. Yes. Uh, you got to wonder how you could do that, man. Just sitting in your car and you see it. You're like. The man's. Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. <laughs> Feeling bored on his afternoon commute in the Indonesian capital, the man spotted the billboard's login details displayed on the Videotron. Oh. Oh. Sick OPSEC there, bros. So he broadcasted 10 minutes of the porn flick Watch Tokyo Hot. Yeah, I'm going to add that to my watch list. Until the power was shut off. Of course, the befuddled drivers captured the stunt on video since has been removed from uh, YouTube. So I can't see that. But well, yeah, of course, can I, can, the video. I can watch Tokyo Hot. That's right. Gotta love that. That was, uh, do you remember who sent that into us? Um, was it Duodno? God damn it. I think it may have been. Tell us in the chat. You know, our, our short-term memories aren't the greatest. It's true. But thank you. Thank you for that sick content. Yeah, that's pretty epic. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. I wish that they'd do that to our billboards in KC. I know. Maybe it's <laughs> I, I'm just going to look for that login now. Every I mean, time. nothing counters traffic blues like titties in your face. 
That's right. Come together. <laughs> or could it be her massive stripper titties? The seventh Loch Ness monster sighting of 2020 just occurred. Wow, we're on a roll tonight. Yeah, that's a turkey. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this is that it was seen and captured on camera. It looks like the hump, like <laughs> Nessie's hump, you know. It was captured on camera by a local fisherman who frequents the area and said he did not believe in the Loch Ness monster at all. And then he saw that and was just like, oh, goodness, here we go. I love those are the funnest and most compelling stories are skeptics turned believers. Yes. I love it. Me too. Five of the sightings this year were caught on a webcam that's been set up that's just constantly streaming the lock. <laughs> constantly streaming. Constantly streaming. That's what I like. Oh, yeah. Camera on all the time. Yeah, you know, just stream, any kind of stream. I prefer like a, like a wet stream. Like a pea stream? No, just like a creek or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Do you have another? You could, uh, no. <laughs> I just had the one roll. Oh, I upset a perfect streak. Ooh. All right, well. In Zambia, a wife tore open her man's genitals with her teeth because he wouldn't kill a rat that was in their bedroom. Now, yeah, I, I know exactly why you brought this story. <laughs> the headline was misleading because it said wife bites off husband's penis. And I was like, holy heck. Oh, and then she just kind of tore the scrot. That's right. Yeah, she bit into the sack and tore it open. Hmm. You had to go to the hospital, obviously. And uh, it, it's worth noting she had just gotten home from drinking with her lady friends. So she was hammered. So she was hammered. And then saw a rat. <laughs> saw the rat, who she claims has been pestering her for days. Nick, call your buddy up. Tell him to get the fuck out of Zambia, man. Why are your balls out right now? Yeah, and she said, hey, husband, I can't sleep. You need to get this rat. And he said no, and then a scuffle ensued. And she uh, scuffled. She him. fought dirty. Scuffled his nuts. So she scuffled. <laughs> Got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no Damn. good. But it is worth noting that you did stomp a mouse yesterday. And I, that was epic. I'm up to like, over the past week, I'm up to probably eight or nine. Yeah. Well, you know, when you see a mouse, it's too fucking late. There shouldn't be eight or nine mice in this fucking house, let alone ones that I've killed. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many more there are, but it makes me But crazy. we're on it. We are on We're it. consistently getting them. We're taking care of business. Gonna get rid of this little nasty it does get mice. incredibly i get incredibly pissed incredibly pissed i think a big problem is that there's a hole i need to patch in the chimney um because oh. they're coming in and out as they please from the outside where they live and produce like freely and i try to plug it a couple of different times but it's just not tight enough and it, i think it goes deeper than where i'm plugging so i need to mm. like go hardcore patch on it did you use that mesh stuff that metal I no, I need called. to add that to uh, steel wool. Steel wool. Yeah. I hear that mice cannot chew through that, so just plug it with that. They can't chew through my foot when I stomp on their head either. Oh, well, they can't live. They can't breathe. They can't survive when you just step on them, that's for sure. Yeah, I had a, a mouse that wasn't doing well. 
we don't use any poison or anything in our home because we got three dogs and two little kids. Uh, and, you know. Right. The mice can leave the house, too, and then a cat could get them and get sick from the poison. So just it's just too much. Right. But, or, uh, or they die behind the wall. and Oh, and stink the place up and rot. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, no thanks. No thank you. But I did have a mouse, la- like, run at me and then stop on my foot and just sit there. And that's the one that I put under that little cage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, something's wrong with that mouse. Go kill it. <laughs> I don't know what was I, going on. I think it was pregnant. And I think it was about to have a bunch of babies. Because it was, like, bleeding out of what looked like its butt. But, you know, it's a nether regions. Mm-hmm. And it came right to me. And I'm a woman. And I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Stop being cute. You're disgusting. Yeah, sticky traps. Yep. Uh, a lot of hate for sticky traps. I find, I hate them too because of the way they work. Uh, except the problem is that they're incredibly effective. And so what I'll do is I'll put them in high traffic areas and I use snaps too. The snaps, the snaps will get some sometimes, but I catch, oh God, I mean, over years, you know, mice are intermittent issue, uh, but over probably the years, I would say there's at least a three to one ratio of sticky to, to the snap, and you hear when they get caught on, because they like usually shout, and then I'll go over, I put them out of misery like right away. Yeah. You know? I don't let them just, I don't just no. throw them in the trash still on the trap, like looking at me. I don't no. do that shit. Um, I grab them. They go, ah, oh no. And then I go, oh, it's okay. You're uh, going to sleep now. Yeah. I usually say, the universe has a better plan for you, I promise. And then I smash them over the head. Oh, that's nice. I guess. It's kind of a little savage, but I don't know. With respect. I try to, yeah. I mean, if you were that mouse, you would not want to suffer and die over a period of time glued to a piece of paper. I know my house is pretty cool. I got weed, I got cereal. Lots of cereal. Bowl after bowl of cereal, man. But you can't fucking come in here. <laughs> no. Unless I uh, invite you. Which I never will. Just sons of beaches. Ooh, here we go. Oh, oh, oh. Net Ned dropping new traps on me. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a Victor trap I've never seen. Little wow. plastic snap trap. Interesting. I've done the classic Victor Woods, and then uh, I had some, like, black plastic alligator-looking kind of clampers that, like, bite down. I've caught two of those ever. Oh, what about those scrambler houses? They don't they're, seem like, to be squares? As I've never I've caught never one, caught one, 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 one of those sons those. of bitches. They yeah. like, they're, like, a little igloo-looking thing, and then they're supposed to go in there, and then the thing spins and breaks them all up and shit. It, I've never had uh, success with one of those. And then the metal boxes... With the clear top. Metal boxes I've had there. success for. Sure. Then you can just take them to a cat or bring them far, far away. Yeah. Too bad I don't have a snake still. That's true. Or, you know what I was thinking, though, is maybe if they smelled a cat, they wouldn't want to come in. And so if we ask our friends who have cats for some litter, this is kind of gross, I don't know, but if we took some cat litter and just, like, sprinkled it around the outside of the house, mm-hmm. maybe that would deter them from coming in. That'd probably be good. Yeah. It's worth a shot, right? Yeah. I've sprayed, like, mint, like, peppermint spray and stuff, because I really didn't like the smell of peppermint. Uh-huh. That didn't do shit. We also, way back when we first got the house, had those, like, sound-emitting plugins. Yeah, you know, it's like, the oh, high-pitched this, noise things. This makes a sound that they don't like. No, it doesn't work. Don't yeah, waste your time with those. Yeah, crap, but... Oh, yeah, our neighbor gave us those. And yep. Yeah, did not work. Nope. You know what else didn't work? 
A husband trying to impress his wife by buying a 12-foot T-Rex when she asked for a garden gnome. She wanted to spruce up her garden and said, you know, I think a garden gnome would be really nice there. And he decided, hey, I'll just get a giant T-Rex and said that's way cooler. So when she was out running errands, he had the T-Rex delivered by crane. A crane had to put this in the yard. 12 feet's a little excessive, but a T-Rex that's 12 feet's pretty badass. You gotta admit. Yeah, definitely. He named it Dave immediately. Just immediately loved it, named it Dave. He planned to video her discovering it in the morning when she went out to the backyard to do some gardening. Sure. But unfortunately, she ended up coming home late and I think he was in bed. The dog needed to go outside. Oh, fuck. So she opened the back door, let the dog out, and then the floodlights came on, and she saw that T-Rex oh, there no. and had the fright of her life. I bet. She was not happy. That's a pants poop situation right there. It sure is. Uh, the husband said, I'm sure Deborah will understand and grow to love Dave as much as I do, but I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all that. It sounded badass at first until you described uh, how she discovered it. And then I'm like, oh. uh, maybe not so much. I think I would be able to laugh about it pretty soon because I would also be like, this is epic. Yeah, Who else I has mean, a T-Rex in their garden? Well, I know you the first thing you would ask me. What's that? How much did you pay for this fucking oh, thing? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that can't be cheap. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's very realistic looking. It's epic. It's better than some of those like moving dinosaur animatronic attractions you go to. This thing is scary. Damn. In a great way, though. And another story. A 36-year-old Irish woman was awarded a prize from the Road Safety Authority for warning people not to put their feet on the dashboard. You know why she's so great at warning people not to do this? Why is that? Because she was in a horrible accident in 2017, when her boyfriend's Jeep skidded out of control on black mice, and they just, black mice, you agree, <laughs> black ice, they just happened to be going 120 miles per hour, okay? I think it's worth noting here. She had her legs up on the dashboard, her knees came back, broke every bone in her face, and now she does not have a forehead. Oh, man. So, like, she Shit. is the face of that warning. <laughs> But can she give herself cunnilingus? How does a would a forehead stop you from doing? That? No, I just figured if like she got slammed forward and like oh. back and her legs are up and I don't know maybe maybe at that point in time she was just like maybe I just hurt so bad but cranks <laughs> her spine in just the right way. To, uh, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm just curious. And then I wanted to read this. Okay, Holly Blair. Exploded into glitter and bats on August 17th, 2020. She survived by four spoiled cats, two stinky dogs, three bad birds, a turtle, and an utterly useless frog named Fred, as well as three children and a husband of little to no importance. Her remains will be interred under a tree with the ridiculous multitude of animals she rescued, both wild and domestic. Her future plans include drinking beer with Terry Pratchett and flying across the moon on her broomstick on Halloween. She has also promised to communicate with us from the beyond via the cockatiel psyche. We ask that everyone carve extra jack-o'-lanterns on Halloween this year in her honor. All hail the Wicked Witch of Juniper Road. What the fuck is that? That was an obituary that just ran in Idaho for a woman who loved Halloween. Interesting. And I just thought that was sweet. It is sweet. As a person (laughs) 
Who loves Halloween? A little bit mean to her worthless husband, though, don't you think? I'm pretty sure he wrote it, babe. Self-deprecating humor. Well. <laughs> He's not <laughs> worthless if he wrote that. That's, the I'll the say effect that. was enhanced because there's a cricket in the garage that I can't <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard that too, but I don't think it got picked up through the noise Probably gate. Probably not, but that's an inside joke for you and me. Oh, kind of like... In the smoker. It's a Fletcher and Carol are in on that too. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were in the smoker on Thursday. We were. You guys got to check out that yes. episode. 111. 11 Always a great time. Yes. In the smoker. Yep. So you think Rona's going to ruin Halloween? Yeah, of course it will. That's, why, that's not even a question. I say no. I say we have to fight. And I think we can rally people around Halloween. People oh. love Halloween. Scared, mask-wearing slaves, they love Halloween. Plus, Halloween, you wear a mask anyway, right? I mean, typically, but out. you can't, you know, if you go to Party City right now, you can't try on the masks. Eh, who needs to try on a mask? You know what it's going to look like when you put it on. It's going to look like the mask is hanging there. Well, you're not going to buy 12 masks, but you'd like to see what you look like in 12 different masks. I suppose. I usually know exactly what mask I want, and I just grab it and go... <laughs> I don't know. There's some kind of extra doofus points you get for trying the mask on. I don't oh, really like it. It's like, fun for sure to play dress up in the costume shops, and that sucks because you know they're going to all shut down their dressing rooms. Like, no trying on anything at all. Since I was a little kid, I understood that I wasn't the only one trying all those masks on, and since I was a little kid, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, and since you were a little kid, people have been sick before and tried masks on, and everyone... Well, maybe not everyone, but most people survive. It's just a chance you take, right? It's a risk you take. In fact... Did you get out of bed this morning? You're taking a risk. You know, Rogan was talking about that on the that episode, on 1533, where he was just like, you know, we let people uh, skydive and bungee jump and all kinds of weird, risky, ignorant shit, but we can't let them, you know, open up a salon in certain places or, you know, take certain risks. If... If they're all consenting to the risk, you know, that's another bitch about these lockdowns is like if there's a lockdown in place, you're fucked. But if the lockdown is lifted and you still want to stay home, you can do that. But other people can go and go about their business as well. You know, if you want to hide under your covers and put, you know, or like walk around in a bubble or wear three masks or the face guard or whatever you think you need, that's totally fine. That's the beauty of like being a free country. You can choose to mitigate your risk however you wish, but... You don't get to choose how other people mitigate their risk by claiming that, you know, somehow extrapolating their risk to you. That's fucking bullshit. It is. Did you get my clips? Do you email them to me? Yeah, it's okay if not. Oh, I, I got them. Oh, he's got them. Are they in your show notes? Yeah. Yeah. Play my Halloween clip, if you will. Halloween clip. Halloween clip. Here it comes. I will have to play it in this browser. Because it is plugged in. With trick-or-treating in doubt because of the pandemic, candy manufacturers are protecting themselves from potential losses for their biggest season. Hershey has partnered with retailers to set up Halloween merchandise earlier in the summer, in some cases four weeks earlier. In addition to the longer season, Hershey's is focusing more on family-sized packs and fewer treats in Halloween-specific packaging. Huh. Now, I was wondering why Halloween was on the mind so hard Yeah. the last week of August, because I'm like, it's August. Why am I like so in the mood for Halloween? And it's because when we went into Walmart, mm-hmm. there's a whole aisle of candy, but I didn't even like comprehend was there, because I just walked by it. I'm like, oh, yeah, alcohol, 
candy aisle, chips. Right. You know? And now I'm like, holy crap, they got all the Halloween stuff out. Yeah. And it's September, so now it's a bit more fitting, but how long has it been there? Last of August, they've been doing it for the last few years. Like really? At the end of August, they'll start doing Halloween shit. Yeah. Yeah, it gets crazy. We don't usually get trick-or-treaters at this house, but you bet your butt, if Kansas City's like, there's no trick-or-treating, I'm going to put like a table of grab bags out on the front lawn or make like, put some hooks on the gate, you know, yeah. on the fence, sure. hanging candy, and just be like, look, you don't even have to touch my doorknob, you don't have to touch a doorbell. Just take some candy. Just take the mystery bag. Maybe make like a little walkthrough graveyard in the front yard and just sprinkle it all around. I saw one couple that made a prop. It was like a mummy with what looked like a giant didgeridoo. And they would just drop the candy down the tube. <laughs> and it was a six foot tube so they could get to the kids socially distanced. Huh. But hey, you still touch the candy wrapper. So it's, yeah. in my opinion, I mean, it's all, it sounds like bull crap to me. The whole Rona, the whole time. Yeah, it's... And uh, no one's been able to change my mind, so... It's definitely a manipulation scheme, for sure. That much is 100% true. Everything else is fucking in doubt, if you ask me. Can't trust anybody. Now, it's like the the people that you couldn't trust were screaming to trust the CDC, and now the people you can't trust say you can't trust the CDC, and so now you can't trust anybody. No. Well, when could you ever trust anybody? No. It's just a massive disinformation campaign to disinform you about the massive disinformation campaign at this point. Can't fucking keep up with it, my man. That's why I just sip on this scotch. Well, you know, I was thinking about introducing Unto My Beat a new segment. Ooh, new segment. Uh, Since the DNC, RNC day, one thing went off so well, we're going to do Democrat, Republican updates every week, every show. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, I thought it was a bit of a snooze fest. Oh, I got so much hate mail over the DNC RNC thing that nobody wanted to hear it. Somebody said they'd send me $69,000 if I didn't do day two, so I'm not going to do it. But I was thinking, what if we did this fun little segment we call Philosopher's Stoned? Oh, we, I like that. Where we kind of talk about the stoner take on different weird philosophy. Okay. And obviously need a jingle, and so we're going to add that to the jingle wish list. It's getting longer and longer. I'll uh, make a note. I'll have some catching up to do on making jingles. And I couldn't find my damn jingle wish list, so it's on one of these pads of paper. But I thought it would be kind of cool, and keeping in the theme of bowl after bowl and infinity, if we talked a little bit about reincarnation. Reincarnation, re Incarnation. Would it be a sensation? Come back to like a reincarnation. I love you. And you know I always will. It's good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. so reincarnation uh, is something that's kind of fascinated me most of my adult life as a concept. Um, I guess to kind of give foundational structure to a, to a philosopher's stoned um, segment. You'd have to start with that. I was raised a Protestant Christian and uh, going off to college, leaving my home. I left the church pretty much. Um, Never really renounced anything. Uh, It was kind of hard on my parents. My mom took it bad when I came back and I was like, I don't know. I think they found some of my older high school senior angsty poems and shit. 
uh, kind of found out how much weed I'd been smoking, um, that kind of stuff. And it was just like, do you even believe in God anymore? And I just kind of, at that point in my life, when I was like 18, 19, it wasn't, I didn't really have a firm answer for that. But I never had a no for that, you know. I never was like, no, fuck no, there's nothing out there, you know. I'm just like, look, I just think that I have a little tiny slice of what might be out there. I just really don't know. And uh like to further explore it, you know. Just like keep an open mind. I'm like, I eh, keep a more open mind. Um, And got very into Taoism later. Um, Not in any specific practicing way, but more in just like literally reading uh, a translation of the Tao Te Ching uh, that I still have, and I I love reading that book, and I think there's a lot of awesome wisdom and sweet, uh, I don't know, kind of paradoxical philosophy in it. Uh, the fucking book opens up by saying that it's bullshit, which I really love. Like the opening lines of the Tao are, uh, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao, the name that can be named is not the eternal name. Basically saying, because, and... Um, it's said that Lao Tzu was even reluctant to write this down, but was like pretty much bullied into it by his followers who were like, dude, you're going to die. And then, you know, and you're not going to be saying the shit to us anymore. And we want to hear the shit like we want to be able to share it. And the message is diluted for sure. When you if you don't write it down, if people are just passing it on, the message could be diluted and lost. So he finally wrote it down and he started off just by like kind of opening it up with a discreditation of it, you know. Saying by the by the mere fact of me writing this down, it's not the actual truth because I have to put it into words, and then you have to read the words, and you have to interpret it what I meant by the words, and the words don't even do justice what I'm trying to describe. You know, I think that's really the case for just about everything we talk about when we talk about all these abstract concepts and theories and different things. Like we can get kind of close to the ballpark in the neighborhood, but if it's actually truth. If it's the real truth and the real thing and the genuine article, like that you're not telling anybody what you saw because you're not describing it properly. You just kind of have to be there. It's like the mystical experience in a nutshell is one of uh, very much so of like it can't be spoken and named. Um, so some early, the earliest kind of ideas of this concept of reincarnation came out of Hinduism, Buddhism, and uh, Jainism where there in certain aspects, there is a soul that's eternal. Like in Jainism, it passes through cycles of uh, transmigration and rebirth. And in the earlier text uh, of Jainism, they actually said that the new body is acquired instantaneously upon death. Like it was die, boom, back into a new body. Oh, wow. Um, now, their new body could be in hell, could be in heaven, could be on earth, could be in any of those realms. So it kind of was like, you might be a new angelic body, you might be a new demonic body, you might be a new different animal as well. Um, Buddhism, of course, holds that existence is a sort of a cycle of suffering, death, and rebirth without any beginning or end. It's just cyclical. And that there is no like individual or souls per se. That there's just kind of this collective, um, which I'm kind of less on board with. Just kind of like individuality. And Buddhism doesn't really offer as much of that. In fact, the Buddhist enlightenment is sort of finding that non-self. Like kind of accepting and, and uh, I don't know, realizing. Uh, it's like the opposite of self-actualization. It's like self... Uh, it's like ego death. Yeah. 
yeah, kind of like that. And a permanent one would be a, an enlightened person. Uh, but the Buddhists also believe an enlightened person knows their past lives and that they can know them through meditation. So an enlightened person would be aware of all of their previous births. Uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's also a lot of uh, rebirth. In fact, uh, there's kind of death, then bardo, then rebirth. So bardo is kind of the in-between. Limbo. Um, sort of a limbo or sort of a spirit existence where the soul exists outside of a body until it enters a new body. So Ooh. unlike the Jainism, the early Jainism texts that say you acquire a new body, whether it be physical or spiritual, like immediately, excuse me, <clears throat> the uh, Tibetan Buddhism would hold that, you know, there's an in-between period where the soul can kind of fly and float around. The uh, <clears throat> A lot of this popping up, the first ideas too, were kind of challenging the notion of the simplistic afterlife the duality of heaven and hell um, because it was kind of like, hey, you know, there's a lot of people who are righteous and there's a lot of people who are evil, but not all righteous people are as righteous as each other and not all evil people are as evil as each other and there's sort of different degrees, right? There's a variance. And so that's the first ideas that were kind of introduced into reincarnation had to do with that uh, um, degrees of alf afterlife according to merit of the life you lived. So, mm. you know, you'd get a better life in heaven if you were a more righteous person. Whereas if you were, like, just kind of mediocre good, you'd still get into heaven, but maybe it wouldn't be that cool, you know? Maybe you wouldn't get, like, the front parking space in heaven and that kind of thing. Um, this, of course, evolved uh, into the um, incurring of karmas, and, you know, the better karma that you have, uh, in fact, the less karmas you incur... As it's, as it's thought of, uh, because a karma, incurring a karma is like kind of like a chain or a weight, typically, um, whereas good karma is really shedding karma. You want to have no karma attached to you to carry around. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the ultimate. The uh, karmas would sort of dictate what form you were reincarnated in. And the belief was that the human was the highest level that you could incarnate as, and that, uh, you know, if you were good enough or, you know, did it right long enough, that eventually there would be like an escape from the endless cycle. Uh, enlightenment, nirvana, um, kind of a, a way to not incarnate. So I always kind of thought about that. And I thought about, you know, individual souls, multiple souls. Where do we come from? Where do we go? How does it happen? Um, there are kind of instances and experience I felt specifically on uh, a substance known as DMT, dimethyltryptamine, where, um, like, visually you leave where you are or were, uh, and kind of spiritually too, I guess, you know. It's very out-of-body, um, open-eye total hallucinations. So, like, you can be open-eyed looking around, but you're not seeing any of the room that you were in when you launched. Uh, I kind of got the sense of, like, a deep, deep space, but also, like familiarity of like definitely this is where we all came from like not just me but all of us this is like the origin point the source um and sort of uh aware of other like huge entities around but not like ones that were super defined but definitely ones that were just like laughing really loud like universal laughter just at my presence and it wasn't like a menacing laughter it wasn't like a funny funny haha laughter it was just kind of like a powerful laughter I can't really describe it any other better way. Um, and I just got like this huge, like, you know, going back to that point or that place or wherever it is and then coming back 
to my couch, you know, in a, in a shitty apartment. I just got that feeling of like, whoa, this is a journey I made before, you know. Like, this is a journey we all have made before. I just had that feeling that I couldn't shake and I couldn't explain it exactly, but it stuck with me. And something else that stuck with me hit me when I was really young, actually, and I didn't really fully even grasp it until after that experience. I didn't really, like, kind of think about it. But in the 90s, Oprah had a lot of different segments with kids who could remember past lives. They remember who they were before they were born in a different life. Um, I have a couple of clips that uh, we'll kind of listen to here on these kids uh, one's two minutes and one's three minutes, so we'll just, uh, we're going to start with this one because it's the less interesting of the two, but still Tia compelling. says that when her daughter Leah was two years old, she talked with amazing clarity about how she had died underwater. Is that true? Yeah, it is. We were driving in the car. She was in the back seat in her uh, car seat. How old is she now? Uh, she's five. Uh-huh. She'll be six Friday. Okay. Uh, so we're driving in the car and, and she says, Mommy, this is just like where I died. Like, really excited, not upset or anything, just kind of very matter-of-fact. At two years old? Uh, yeah, yeah, she was about two and three-quarters. So then you say, honey, uh, you didn't die. I said, I said, well, Leah, what are you talking about? She goes, this, she says, I was in my car, and it fell off the bridge in the water, and I died. And so I pulled off the road because I was a little <laughs> stressed. And she said, um, and I said, well, well, where was Mama? And she said, you weren't with me that time. Which, this is what your two-year-old yeah, said. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she did. That got the exclamation points going. And um, I said, well, who was driving the car then? And she said, I was big. I could reach the pedals. And she has no clue that you need pedals to drive a car. She's two. She's in the car seat. You know, there's like no way she could know that. And, and I said, well, well, what happened? And, and she described, she said, well, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And she is absolutely a fanatic about seatbelts. Everyone in our presence that knows us, she is going to make sure they have a seatbelt on. She will not get in the car without one. And neither will anyone else. And she said, well, I didn't have my seatbelt on, and I fell out of the car. And she said, and she put her hand up on her, and she said, Mommy, I was laying on the rocks. I could feel the rocks on my head. And she said, and see the shiny bridge. And she points up. She's looking up. And she doesn't see the shiny bridge and the bubbles going up. She could see the bubbles. And she has no record. She has never seen television at that point in her life at all. And how would she have any knowledge of bubbles rising? You know, she doesn't swim. She doesn't put her face in the water. And she said, I could see the bubbles going up and see the sun on the bridge through the water. This is what your two-year-old told you? Yeah. Hi, YouTubers. I'm excited to get... Yeah, she has that uh, pitch at the end of these clips. So they're actually shorter than I think. Um, so that's a compelling kind of instance where spontaneously the kid is saying, Mom, this is where I died. I remember it. And then describing like certain things that... now. I always take this with a grain of salt, too, because a lot of this can be maybe over-mystified or, uh, you know, uh, you'll hear a lot of this, like, there's no way they could have known, there's no way they could have known. Well, there's not no way they could have known. Like, she says there's no way she could have known that there's pedals, that she could reach the pedals. She could just observe. Well, (laughs) I think that kids are pretty observant. Like, I think there is a way for your two, two two-and-a-half-year-old. I mean, our kid just turned three. I think there is a way that they would know about pedals in a car. Um, they absorb a lot more than you would give them credit for, for sure. But the image of the bubbles floating up from you while you're drowning, you know, I mean, that one's kind of a specific one. It's interesting. Um, but they are compelling stories. And uh, a lot of these kids are very genuine. Uh, sometimes it gets a little bit cooler. When it goes into more details, kids can recall geographic places 
names of family members, names of spouses, names of different things in an actual person's life and history. Uh, and this one is a little bit more compelling in that way. A few years ago, Chase drew and wrote a description of the day he says he died in the Civil War battle that is so vivid in his mind. Because this is what you wrote. You say, yeah. I can only vaguely remember the Civil War regression, but it was so long ago. But what I do remember stands out clearly. Right now, I see myself crouching on my knees behind a rock. I have some kind of rifle with almost a kind of sword built onto it. I am in some sort of valley or something. Um, what's that word right there? Here. Here. You spelled it H-E-E-R. Okay, now she's going to make fun of the kid for how he spelled when he was five, but that's okay. We'll keep going. We're going to power through it. Okay. Uh -oh. Here. I was eight. You eight. Okay. Uh, here is a down view of it. I love the way you spell view too. B-E-W. Okay. Here's a down view of it. Then you show the war zone and where you were, and you say, I was shot by somebody here. Yes. Okay, then we turn the page. You say, I'm behind that rock. I am sh shouting everywhere, not knowing what else to do. Then I am shot right in the wrist very badly, and I have blackouts. Now I'm at a hospital at the camp. The hospital looks like this. And then the cannon. After I'm held, I'm marching back to the battlefield when I see a cannon pass by on something like a cart pulled by a horse, roped down very well. Next thing I know, I'm behind a cannon. Look on the map. Oprah, uh, can yes. I add something? Um, I've written a couple of articles about their experience and about other children's experiences. And, uh -huh. and um, someone found the description of the field hospital, and he was a Civil War buff. And he checked some photographs and sent them to us of Civil War field hospitals. And you have these that match the description. Yes, I was fascinated by this because you described a kind of poles with drapes, yeah. but you didn't know what it was. But that's what they had. It was like a tent, mm -hmm. which looks like a pole with drapes. Well, yesterday we had Chase meet with an artist. And that artist drew the scenes that Chase described from the past life. Let's take a look at these. Tell us what we're looking at here, Chase. And so he kind of, show, they show pictures uh, based on the sketches he originally drew of these memories. Um, but the most compelling in all of that, uh, there's something that's sort of compelling in the, I had a rifle that was something that looked like a sword on the end, but I think that the bayonet is pretty common Civil War imagery that you could pick up even in passing as a kid somewhere. Uh, but these field hospitals were interesting because I had never even really seen quite what they look like. They're almost like a a tent set up with a kind of a grass hut built over it. Uh, they almost look like a pavilion, uh, and that would be like a field hospital that was set up. And the way that he drew them and the way that they looked were just like so spot on. And then he also said when he got treated at the hospital and then sent back that he was walking along with uh, some kind of big cannon that was roped down to a cart on a horse and like he described it and he drew it out and the Civil War guy, the Civil War expert guy was saying that uh, it looked a lot like the Civil War era mortars um, and so that's probably what the kid saw. So that kid's mom actually became uh, sort of a past life therapist person hmm. and did a lot of research on kids who experience the same phenomenon think that uh, they were somebody else and have details. And another researcher who did a lot of research on uh, children's past life memories was a guy named Ian Stevenson. And I think that 
it's kind of interesting that to summarize in general what they found with just about all of these kids. Uh, um, they're marked by a few common features. One is that uh, almost as soon as the child can communicate, they start to describe their previous lifetime. The child remembers details of the death in the prior lifetime. Uh, in Dr. Stevenson's case, in his research, about 66% uh, of the childhood re- reincarnation cases, a violent or premature death occurred in the previous lifetime. Mm. And uh, lots of traumatic wounds like bullets, knife wounds, often uh, uh, often correlated with different birthmarks or scars that mirrored the wounds or happened in the same place. Now, even this... Oh, wow. This kid uh, who said he was a black soldier in the Civil War and was shot in the wrist, he had a severe case of eczema um, from the time pretty much from when he was a baby. Uh, and it was never treated successfully. You know, they gave ourselves and probably steroids and different things and it never really fully went away. He got over it after he had these past life trans- uh, regressions. Huh. After he remembered these past life and like told people and got it out, like told his parents, then at the, at the same time the eggs went away. So like could be like coincidental or like something that he grew out of anyway. But it's compelling not only like the timing of it, but the location of the eczema patch was right there in this place that he remembers being wounded in the Civil War in that wrist. Uh, and that phenomenon is actually pretty common in, in a lot of these cases. There's a lot of documentation, uh, and in fact, this part of this section of it is such a deep rabbit hole that that'll be for another segment okay. of Philosopher's Stone. Is we're just gonna look at past lives and like specific cases because a lot of them are pretty mind blowing. But I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, what kind of compelled me into my theory that I'll get into, uh, based on information provided by the child to the biologic family. The child's family from the prior incarnation is eventually identified um, in a majority of these cases. So that means that the kid is telling the parents about their past life in enough detail that they actually find a family that correlates to all the things that he's saying. And this can be, like I said before, names, uh, descriptions of what people look like in the family, descriptions of the house that they live in, descriptions of the street that they live on or the town that they're in, the nearby uh, landmarks or monuments uh, often you can find where the hell they're talking about which in those cases is much more compelling as to like well there's really no way they would have known about this other village over here now a lot of these cases too seem to happen uh, in the eastern hemisphere uh, in India uh, and the surrounding countries and that's sort of the hypothesis is that um, over there the idea of reincarnation is much more accepted. So it's not going to be like stamped out or hidden or like suppressed when the kid brings it up, you know, whereas in a Western mindset, that kind of thing is just like, ah, no, that's not how it works, you know, and it's just dismissed. Um, Personality traits, personal preferences and habits often persist from one incarnation to another. So like Hmm. if they meet the family that they reincarnated from, uh, that they're claiming to be reincarnated from, like, that family will recognize in this kid like a lot of the traits of the person that they're claiming to have been. Uh, Gender usually stays the same in 90% of Stevenson's cases. The uh, child returns assuming the same sex as in the past life. And in 10% the gender, about 10% the gender is reversed from one lifetime into another, which has led to a lot of speculation of uh, 
maybe explaining somewhat of um, you know homosexuality or transsexualism, gender gender, gender identity issues, things like that, uh, may have a factor in in how one was reincarnated. Perhaps maybe you were hmm. this gender in a past life. Uh, physical appearance can be similar also from one lifetime to another. And again, we'll get into that in a future episode. But like some of these people who they can die as sisters and come back as twins and look so eerily similar to the people that died. Um, it's really compelling. Um, also, there's many cases where children remember the interval in between lifetimes. So that kind of comes back to our, uh, uh, our earlier concept of that in-between, that uh, transition period, sort of like a limbo. Uh, in Jainism, they call it something else, but I can't see it on my damn Bendo. Mouth. Bendo, yeah, that was a bardo. bardo. Bardo, dang. You helped me find it with the bendo. <laughs> yeah, a bardo period where you're kind of still a soul, and uh, uh, the speculation is that the souls are planning on how to reincarnate the best way. Like they're... Like in the cases of some of these sisters that want to stay together, they are looking for twins to reincarnate as. Or like perhaps they're looking for a vessel that they can both come back into this world together so they can stay together. Um, obviously, there's no proof of this, but there's compelling circumstantial evidence that suggests maybe this is going on in more aware souls, let's say. Um, absolutely mind-blowing stuff. The uh, the other thing that's kind of crazy is the average age in which these kids start saying they regressed is just a little above three, like three and a half, between okay. three and three and a half. And the average age they stop is seven. And so eventually the kids will uh, stop remembering the past life as vividly, almost like a dream too, where like in this kid... In the, kid with the civil wars case he drew pictures he wrote down stories his mom asked him questions about it she didn't like suppress it or anything so much like if you grew up watching home videos of yourself as they were recorded you have better memories and better memory recall like i have a lot of that uh i'm sure that's the same with this kid where he wrote it down or if you keep a dream journal you're going to remember your dreams more um a lot of kids just forget. They stop talking about it. It just stops happening. It's not as real to them. And all of this different, uh, all of these different inputs on you know how a soul might work and and evidence that people have uh, come from somewhere, gone somewhere. Myself and my own visions that I've seen, you know, as a source of all life type vision that I experienced on DMT. All of that kind of led me to come up with a still working and kind of loose lava lamp theory of reincarnation, where if we think of the wax in a lava lamp as all the potential material soul, right? And as the bubbles come up from the bottom of that lamp, that's a birth, that's an incarnation, that's a, that's a life. And if you watch a lava lamp Long enough, you'll see a lot of different things happen. Sometimes the bubble, well, most times we'll say, the bubble will break off of the bottom chunk. It will rise a certain distance until it's cool enough to fall again. And then it will fall back. And it will become one with all of the wax there at the bottom. We can, in this theory, kind of consider the wax at the bottom being the dead souls. We would call them as the living, but... Another way to look at it would be the, the souls in limbo or the souls that are out there searching for when they're going to incarnate next. Now, if you think about each new bubble, it's made up of 
the total sum of all of that at the bottom. But once it breaks off, it's its individual bubble. Now, what is that bubble made of? It's made of maybe a lot of wax from a previous bubble, maybe even almost exclusively wax from a previous bubble. Uh, you'll note, too, at certain temperatures or just in a sweet spot, sometimes a bubble will fall and it will rest upon that ball of wax at the bottom, but it won't fully join it. And it will become hot enough to rise again without ever reconnecting fully with that old ball of wax. And it can stay the same bubble and go back up again. And maybe that's one of these perfect, maybe you can use that as the metaphor for one of these perfect incarnations where the soul has planned out how it's going to come back and it never really became anyone different, quote unquote finger wags um other circumstances a bubble comes up and splits into more bubbles on the way up you know um there's a lot of different ways the soul can interact uh so that's sort of been my explanation and my thought it sort of explains a little bit how you can get past life regressions it also kind of if you think the metaphor through uh the longer this ball is broken off of what it was as it rises it becomes its own bubble even more and more time has passed since it was the bubble, and these kids forget their past lives um, on the scale of a lifetime pretty quickly, you know, before even a full decade. So that's, uh, I mean, seven and the average life expectancy, we'll call it like 85, 86. So that's well less than 10% of the total life, you know, uh, where the the past life seems to have kind of totally worn off. And I think that's just sort of your, your, your individual bubble for long enough. You have experiences in this lifetime that shape you <clears throat> and you're less connected to those ones that you had just left um, before that incarnation. So that's kind of how I think of reincarnation as a concept and how I like explain it when I'm extra stoned with my friends and we get to waxing philosophic. Um, I think it's a very fluid thing. And if you think about the fluidity of the lava lamp, it kind of makes that a perfect metaphor where you can kind of fill in gaps of how this thing works in my mind. What's the liquid around the wax? So you can kind of think of like, it's funny because there's a lot of different ways to think about it, but in the analogy, the, the water would probably just be like the environment or the universe and the glass would be the edges of the universe and that wax would be like the souls themselves. The gotcha. wax is whatever the soul is or the soul energy. Whatever we are that persists when we die. I can dig it. Can you dig it? I can dig it. So that'll be another subject too sometime is the soul. I mean, this whole thing opens up a lot of different things that you can explore and think about as to like what the hell's going on. What are they? Um, what are we? Do we persist when we die? And it's all anecdotal because you can't really bring proof of that. But there are some serious compelling experiences I've had and serious... Um, what do I want to say, like uh, reports from other people and other people's experiences that really kind of point to that for me. Yeah, I feel like the lava lamp theory you've come up with more eloquently states how I feel about it too because I feel like it's just this returning to one, like the life force that runs within all of us, all living things. When you die, the energy cannot be created or destroyed, so it just rejoins all the other energy that's lingering. Sure. Waited to waiting to be born again or however whatever form it's gonna take. Another kind of feeling, and I don't know if it came as a dream or if it came as a thought or if it was just always there, but ever since I was really, really, really young, I have this like idea, memory, or concept of deciding to come back. Like deciding, yeah, I wanna come I'll be born, like agreeing to be born. 
almost like I was asked to come back to Earth, you know, and like agreeing on the condition that I'd be a boy, that Hmm. I'd be male. I'd be like, okay, I'll go, but I want to be a male. And I'm not really sure I've like I've explored that mentally for a while of like what that can mean or what I'm thinking. Um, But nonetheless, it, it is a thought that I've had since before I was even like honestly really old enough to wrap my head around any of it. I just kind of had that idea and you know whether it's true or not you can't really validate you can't really but that's always been something that I've thought huh that's interesting I remember when I was a little kid I had a dream where all my family was in my aunt's house at the time her log cabin and they were all like going over all these people that I had some I'd never met but I was fortunate enough to meet my great-great-grandma so she was there and she lived until I went to college but we're all there And they were, like, passing out flowers and saying, basically telling each person what their purpose was, is what it felt like. But I don't remember what was said, you know? But it was just this, like, super warm feeling. And everyone was a child, but I knew exactly who they were. Like, my great-grandma, I recognized her, Mm -hmm. but we were all the same age. We were all, like, five, however old I was when I had that dream. I feel like this is more on like an angel level, like an angel, like what's life? What's the meaning of life? But it was like they were passing out purposes, like having a family discussion of like, this is why we're here and this is why we have to stick together and this is our family and like what we bring to the planet. Just wild. Wild, the dreams you have as a child or the thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think this will be kind of more fun than than the DNC homework. Uh, mainly oh, it sure. just it just made me miserable doing that last week the homework part of it because I just didn't care and this is something that's a little bit more interesting and mentally like yeah. fun to wrap around fun it's like I feel like I'm getting exercise when I do this yeah, I like whereas that. last week I just felt exhausted well that's the thing is and, fun and like last week another difference is that last week I was like oh this inspires in me to go and do day two whereas like this one it's like Oh, Jesus. All right. So I've always wanted to kind of put my lava lamp theory of reincarnation reincarnation out there in some form other than just being wasted talking to people about it, you know, talking to my friends about it, which I've done frequently over the last decade or more um, because I've had this theory for a long time. But now we can talk about past lives. Now we can talk about the soul. Now we can talk about what that is, what's separating the soul from the mind and the body. Now, maybe people will be engaged and send us stuff about uh, Fawa. Thank you very much in the chat, um, Dwadnam. So the I think that the Philosopher's Stone is a clever enough name and it's funner subject material and probably more suited for the show and what we are and what we're about. Yeah, I love that. Because, you know, if you want to hear about politics, there's plenty of other people talking about it who are a lot smarter than me <laughs> when it right. comes to politics. <laughs> But who's so, talking about lava lamp theory? No one. That's your thing. I mean, I just wanted to bring that to you and guys because I've been thinking about it for fucking years, and uh, it's compelling. It's still compelling to me. I'm 30 years old, and I'm still compelled by it. Yeah. And if you have any thoughts on life, death, in between, anything else, give us a call. 816-607-3663. We would love to hear your ideas. Do you like the lava lamp theory? Do you disagree with it? Does it go along with what you feel about life? No one knows, but we all have something to share. It's beautiful because there's there's still kind of a 
source too in the sun. Like you can say the light bulb at the bottom of the lamp is the sun, you know. Oh, nice. Keeping it all going, keeping it all in motion. But it also has a lot of implications, right? Like what if the lava lamp falls and breaks? breaks what if yeah. somebody unplugs it? What if somebody comes up and just shakes the living shit out of it and all the lava turns into tiny little bubbles? Because I've done that before. It's 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 kind of compelling. What what if what if what if we only see such a tiny sliver speck of existence when you compare it to like the universe, the cosmos, the really big scale things that we can observe. So to hope that we can ever understand, I think, is kind of arrogant. But to pursue understanding uh, is the only response. You always have to like to at least try, in my opinion, even though we may never get there. Well, and as you said, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. So we'll never get there. Exactly. But we can all pitch in and help, you know, shape and debate each other's ideas. Mm -hmm. It's like science. <laughs> like create a hypothesis, mm -hmm. prove it wrong, create another hypothesis. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I had for Philosopher's Stone for today. Oh, you want to go behind the curtain for the first time I ever segment? We could get Philosopher's Stone. Oh, you yeah. Know what I'm saying. Just come back I here. I do know what you're saying. All right. I got a bowl waiting for you back here. Oh, perfect. Where did I put it? So this week we will be talking about the first time I ever said fuck you to someone or told them to fuck off or go fuck themselves. Yes. Anytime that you were maybe belligerent or... Uh... You're going to get flipped off and I'm going to fucking heckle the shit out of you. Dude, I'm loving telling you how stupid you are, you fuck. Now that guy is a seasoned veteran of telling people to fuck off, but some people are a little more timid. We like to think everybody's at least said fuck you. Some like sort. To think, yeah. Some sort. And I would probably say that most commonly, uh, fuck you and fuck off goes to insects and rodents for me these days. <laughs> these days, yes. These days. In fact, okay, so I had a Fizzolino gig uh, Monday, yesterday, on Memorial Day. I mean Labor Day. God damn it. And uh, I just, I rediscovered what the grossest bug of all time is. Oh, what's that? And it's a mosquito. Oh, yeah. They're, they're awful. They're fucking nasty. They're just nasty. And the reason I discovered this is because there was a mosquito buzzing in the bathroom. Never bit me, but it was flying and it was like thinking about it and it was by a wall and I just smacked it and it was a gusher. You ever hit oh. a mosquito that's a gusher? Yes. There's a lot of blood and bugs don't really have a lot of blood. But mosquitoes do it. because they drink blood. Yeah. And I realized it had not bit me and it was full of blood. So that was just somebody else's blood all over the fuck. I mean, how <laughs> fucking nasty Or is many that? people's blood, yeah. It's just like, ooh, the implications of that. Well, and you know, those <laughs> mosquitoes that they're putting vaccines into supposedly. Oh, the allegedly. genetically engineered mosquitoes. Yeah. I was happy to see Mofax do a big ass vaccine, vaccine dive. You got to listen to the, the recent stuff that they've been putting out because it's like, um, it's still, obviously they look at the, uh, ADOS angle and the, and the, and the racial angle of these things, but the topics that they get into are uh, fantastic. And the vaccine one was pretty cool. That's two episodes back. I don't have notes on this. I'm just talking out of my ass out of school here, but, um, very compelling stuff. Yes. So mosquito, so he said, fuck you to a mosquito. The last one was about killer wasp and I do have a can of wasp spray right here at my desk because <laughs> I'm doing the work. That's right. But the first time I ever said fuck you to some person, you know, I spent all week, because we knew that this was going to be the topic all week, and I spent all week really trying to, like, narrow down what it was. But I can tell you for sure 
that I learned to cuss in the Scouts starting when I was about 11. And that would have had to have been where it was because that's where I did probably 95% of my swearing was at Scouts at either campouts, mainly campouts because at the little meetings in the bottom of a church, it's a little tougher to get away with like saying some ignorant shit because you're just surrounded by dads. But out in the woods with your buds, you can say whatever you want as loud as you want and probably nobody's going to hear you. So that, I don't know a specific case or like what, you know, it was it was absolutely probably something petty or somebody like putting toothpaste in my shoe or, you know, some stupid ass prank. There's none that like stick out for you though, like where I, you're like, I definitely said fuck you in this instance to this person. Yeah, that's what I was looking for all week and I just couldn't really, couldn't really narrow it down to a single thing because... For me, I definitely was talking like a sailor in a middle school with my girlfriends. And, you know, I could have, like, jokingly said it around then. I don't remember any specific instances. And then there's a few events that happen around the same time. But the more traumatic of them that sticks out, which is why I just have to go with it, it may not be my first time, but it's definitely, like, I definitely meant it. (laughs) It was very charged. I said it to my grandma. Uh-oh. <laughs> she, I had my first boyfriend. I was 14. All right, I was a, either in eighth grade or freshman in high school. These are rough times, people, rough times. And I wanted to date this guy, and she was just putting the foot down. And so we ended up, like, sneaking out of each, the house, you know, meet up and all this sort of different stuff. I started having a get in trouble because of it not really i didn't get caught so i didn't get in trouble until i did get caught and she you never get caught till you do (laughs) she came at me with this fury she sat me down she screamed in my face and then it just made me feel like an awful person for having feelings for someone else told me i had to call them and break up with them i was like no i'm not doing that she was like well then we'll do it for you her and my grandfather it's worth noting that I was raised by, I was actually raised by my great-grandparents, while my grandparents, who adopted me from my birth mom, worked in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So, like, they were at work, they commuted crazy hours, like, they left the house at, like, 4 a.m. to get into Boston with traffic, and then came home at, like, 7 p.m. and repeat every day, except for the weekends, which is when I saw them. So I lived with my great-grandparents. So it was also a lot easier to get away with stuff, because I was raised with old people, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyways... Yeah, she was just screaming in my face and not backing down and just belittling me. And I just said, fuck you. Fuck you. And that was, I distinctly remember it. Because there was part of me that was just like, you shouldn't say that to your family. Like, you're an awful person for saying that to your family. And then there's part of me that was like, the part that lives on today. No, fuck you. You don't control me, you know? Like, if you don't let a kid date, if you shelter a kid, then they're going to go hog wild when they get older. Look at me now, people. <laughs> <laughs> She's off the chain. She's out of control. Yeah. It was all the repression. Oh, yeah. So repressed. Do you want to answer that question? But yeah. That, that was, was a bit a, random. That was my, uh, that was the fuck you story that stood out in my mind. Fuck you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Sorry, not sorry, grandma. Well, grandma, I if think- you're listening, fuck you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Grandma. You know I love you. Oh, yeah? Does she know that? <laughs> my grandma? No, my grandma. My grandma. You know she's who. She's 95. I feel like you've told her to fuck you. 
Like the first time you met her. <laughs> Maybe with my eyes. She does that thing where she just gets in my face and screams at me and tries to make me... She doesn't do it anymore because she knows she has no power over me at this point in my life. She just scream in your face and make you feel like you're dumb. Which, you know, I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the world, that's for sure, but... You did get a magic number on the ACT. I did. And so did you. I mean... That was like the first thing I learned about you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that day. I remember that night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I love making friends with freshmen because they have meal points. <laughs> and I can eat in the dorms all I want. All I was was meal points. Yeah, meal here and a meal there, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, meal down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did anyone call in and tell us their uh, first time I ever said fuck you story? We do have a story. Woohoo! Would you like to hear that yeah, story? Yeah, I want to hear it. Okay. The first time I ever said fuck you to someone, I'm sure I said it a lot as a kid because I cussed a lot just as, you know, dumb kid shit. The first time I said it to someone and meant it, knew what it meant, I was like nine probably and I said it to my older brother uh, over over some dumb shit like, uh, oh, I, think he, I think he sprayed this car. This, this car that you push buttons on the back and it lit up and would, like, spin the tires and shit. He sprayed it with a super soaker and fucking ruined it. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck you, Joey. And uh, then he punched me, like, all about the face. <laughs> a couple of times, yeah. We were at uh, my oldest brother's house, so no fucks were given. Oh, fuck. No supervision oh, no. required. Anyway... Uh, great time, and, uh, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck you too, Fletcher. That was a great story. And, yeah. uh, the Google Translate picked up one of his parts. Uh, it was like, oh, oh, yeah, fuck you gently. I'm gonna fuck you softly. I think it was when he said, yeah, fuck you, Jimmy, but it took fuck his. Joey. Fuck, fuck you. Oh, Joey. By the way, Maybe I'm gently. Just- I don't think that the fucking done in this story was very gentle, though, personally. No. I think that Google Translate, uh, Google Transcription kind of missed the, the vibe that was going down. Yeah, fuck you, Google Transcription. Yeah, You're fuck taking you. jobs from humans. Not really, if it's on voicemails. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's right. That's basically correct. Well, want to kind of start to wrap up-ish, but I know we had a few things to talk about still. Oh yeah. The uh, one of them is is sort of the show um, for the time that we've reincarnated the show till now. We've been putting out archived episodes in between the new episodes, and that has stopped for the past three weeks. And the reason is that I have been unable to find the next episode in reverse chronological order to put out, uh, which should I think I think we put out all the way to twenty one. So I'm looking for episode 20, or it might be episode 21 I'm looking for. Somewhere right in there, though. Right before our California trip report. So I'm still kind of looking around at old hard drives and stuff. Blueberry's link that I had hosted before doesn't work anymore. It doesn't load Mm. anything. So I'm on the hunt for it, and hopefully I can find those old episodes and keep putting them up again. Um, I might just throw them all up one time when I find it. Um, I might not couple other things that we're looking to do uh one is just to kind of revamp the website into a better theme or something but i just hate wordpress so my motivation for that hasn't been huge i was fucking around with widgets today on there and just became irate 
I rate enough to Google something to the effect of like, why the fuck can't I see my header on this piece of shit WordPress site? Which was like actually getting me closer to more relevant threads than what I had been searching previously with like a little less frustration. And I'm sorry. You were so irate. You said fuck you to your lovely wife. (laughs) I said fuck you. That's right. I can't even imagine me saying something like that. Oh, really? Um, And you have a poor imagination. A poor imagination, (laughs) indeed. Um, So, basically, you know, we're going to keep chunking away at the website. But another thing that's going to be very good for the show is that Lorian got a new drawing tablet. And she'll be drawing some art. Yes, that's right. I'll be trying, at least. I'll be encouraging (laughs) her to do so. She did uh, do her first piece already that was the toot art for when uh, when we went live for the live stream art uh and i'll add it to the chat too because it just looks fucking cool man i think you did a good job i think you i think it looks cool um i doodle by hand all the time yeah so i've got all these like ideas but then i've never had a a drawing tablet before something i can just draw onto i did have one of those little like black tablets with the stylus you can use but to actually be able to see what you're drawing on the tablet yeah is just a whole nother world versus using that little black plastic thing and looking up at your monitor and yeah. like as you're drawing down. Trying to translate that into what you're drawing. Yeah. It's and hard it, to line the lines up, yeah. I oh mean. yeah. It was all difficult and not fun at all. Mm-hmm. But last night I was like, Oh, I don't know where to start but then I was like, Well, I'll just play with this sketch idea I had of us as like aliens in this kind of neon font with threes on, on the bees. I love the hidden 333 in there. Yeah. And so I uh, I just started going with it. And then I felt like Photoshop drawing was so intuitive that once I figured it out, it was just like, oh, pretty easy. Yeah. Working shout- with layers and being able to like, sketch it out and then have like a finalized layer. That's so nice. We do have to give a shout out to Nick the Rat on that because... It was watching him doodle on an XP pen that gave us the idea to order one. That's right. Thank you for asking him what he was using. Yeah. Because then I was just like, you know what? That looks like exactly what I've been looking for. Did a little bit of research, got the one that we thought would be the best. Yeah, I went with the Innovator 16, I think, and they also are having an anniversary sale right now, so Mm -hmm. everything's on sale. Got a killer deal. Got some cute little merch of their... uh, little fox character. <laughs> so I hope to see a lot of cool cartoony stuff like this coming from you in the future. Yeah, I hope so too. That's what I'm going to be encouraging you to do. Thanks. Positively encouraging you. Yes. And if someone has some like art idea that they need help with, I really need practice. So, you know, just like ask for help and I'm here. I need to practice using this thing and I can doodle things for you. So, uh, as we close out, too, I just uh, want to point people to bowlafterbowl.com where you can find previous episodes. Uh, you can find links to literally everything we do. So, there's the IRC chat, which a lot of people like to troll along with during the live show. There's a link to the live stream. There is um, not a link to the OnlyFans page, though, which we need to get up soon. Oh, yeah. That's where we do a video stream. Um, yeah, every show we video stream on OnlyFans because it's the only place where you can take your clothes off. Yes, and we're in various states of dress and undress at any given time, no matter what. So we really want a better video platform where you're just allowed to do whatever, but it's not necessarily like porn-oriented. Yeah. Um, not that OnlyFans is 
exclusively porn. It's true. It's true. A lot That's of people just do kind of Patreon yeah. type things behind it. Um, you know, whether they're like just different hobbyists that are yeah, yeah. safe for cooking work. shows, fitness yeah, yeah, shows, yeah, exactly, all sorts of stuff. Um, but I don't know. We just need sort of like a freedom platform. Right now, and you know... I'd love to do it myself on my own website, but there's just not really a... Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Make I don't like know a, how. A membership <laughs> page. basically on that, you know. Well, if you have ideas, reach out. Yes, Spencer at BullAfterBull.com, um, Lorraine at BullAfterBull.com. You can reach us at any time. Wait. I'm waiting. If you want to go to our OnlyFans, my OnlyFans, it's OnlyFans.com slash Lorian. That's where all of our producers are. Thank you to everyone that's on there. You know who you are. I'll do shout outs at different times because there's a list of people and I don't have I don't it in feel front rushed because this is on a well, loop I do and it can play forever and ever. I man. also have something that you wanted to bring up, which is our KC meetup coming up. That's right. I should talk a little bit about that KC meetup coming up. So, and hopefully C Mike's listening, either live or later. Shout out to C Mike. He is one of the youngest uh, knights at the round table. Well, one of the newest knights, I should say. I'm not saying that. He's younger than all the other knights, but he's the newest knights. Uh, in <laughs> in scout camp, when people made different ranks in uh, the tribe of Mekasei, they used to sing a little song, um, or it was more of a chant than a song, but it would be like baby rank uh, would be the chant. So like in his case, it'd be baby knight. So it'd be like baby knights, baby knights, show us how to get down. D-O-W-N, show us how to get down. And they would have to dance at the, at the mess hall front of everyone. Uh, it was kind of funny to kind of apply that to the baby knights and the new knights of the round table. But anyway, we are going to be doing a meetup. See, Mike's going to be able to be there and be available. Hey, finally! Because it's going to be a Friday night, and we chose the 25th of September. Um, it's coming up here shortly. So I'm going to put together the meetup and get a location 100% confirmed tomorrow so that that'll be up on the No Agenda Meetups website by the next show whether he'll announce it or not. So like last time he went and said everything that was coming up in September and he hasn't done that in a while. I was like, damn, I should have been on there, had it on already. So that's going to be coming up. I'm going to get that up on there and then we will collaboratively KC people who are listening. I want to hear from you. Maybe send me a little shout out if you're going to be there, uh, that I can put in a teaser clip to send to Adam to play on the show. Hopefully we can get some hype going. Uh, especially with the new night there present. Yes. So September 25th, right? Friday? That's right. Friday, September, September 25th. 25th. Uh, I think we're going to be aiming for like six or seven, some somewhere in the evening, probably oh. six. Uh, okay. And um, yes, details to come at noagendameetups.com. So keep your eye over there and you'll be hearing more about it. Yeah, and then we get the Halloween MTV 80s party. That's right. Meet up. So the following month on Halloween, it'll be a Saturday. Uh, there's going to be a show at Knuckleheads again, our favorite place to do meetups. And that's going to be MTV 80s night. So we want to hijack that with a heavily uh, Adam Curry VJ influenced presence. Maybe we'll do big Adam Curry head cutouts. I might be able to get my dad to help out on that. Awesome. Yeah, have ourselves a grand old meetup. So that's something for the Casey peeps to look forward to. Or hell, I mean, we've had people from Omaha, from Springfield. If you're two to three hours away, it might be worth a trip for a fun night with some uh, smaller amygdalas, especially in this troubling time. Yes, indeed. 
Thanks again for hanging out with us. Passing bowls. Yeah. Token. May your bowls burn ever brighter. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake.